What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 250 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Sean and I are back this week. We talk a little bit of everything from the main sports. We lead off talking baseball, just the locals, Mets and Yankees. Following that, we talked basketball, Nets and Knicks. After that, we talked a little bit of preseason football, and then somehow we got on a college football tangent. We will be back next week, so enjoy the weekend, guys, and enjoy the pod. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, by the way. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Tom, we're here for episode 250, and it's uh, pretty amazing as we just keep plugging away here, but I wish it, wish we had a little bit more substance to this one. This is a little anticlimactic, but, uh, you know, only a couple more weeks before NFL Wednesdays. How you doing, bud? Good. How are you? I guess you didn't realize it was 250 until two minutes ago when we could have planned a little bit better for this, but 250 it is. A little bit of Yankees talk. That's how we started off our pod, anyways, and and a little bit of everything here. Yeah, we're still in that new that slow news cycle. It is what it is. Uh, again, shout out to Will for helping us out with the QB tiers. Um, two forty nine built to two fifty, right? Absolutely. Shout out to Will, who is he may have been our original guest on the pod. Um, I, you'd have to refresh my memory on that one. Um, I think he was right. Yeah, I think he was. He was the first one we brought the Thanksgiving on. pod? Yep, mm. where we almost got smoked out. Oh, yeah, my uncle was just trying to kill us, get a, get us out of his hair. I think he was tired of being called the secretary, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he, he still is. Shoot, he'd shoot straight up to management if after eliminating us. Yeah, absolutely. He'd just take over the pod. Take. I mean, what do I need a computer for if I'm dead? Exactly, nothing. Um, but anyway, shout out to Will. He'll be back in a couple weeks when we do our – full NFL season preview as we hinted at but Tom I'm excited to hear what he thinks especially with the NFCs does he talk himself into an Eagles or excuse me a Cowboys winning the division or does he go chalk like us with the Eagles yeah I know I'm fascinated I I I mean definitely have my pick you have your pick in the Eagles um but the rest will save I think he goes Cowboys Uh, I'm willing to bet he goes Cowboys and you know what? That's okay. Because I think if I if I was in his shoes in this situation, I would as well. Yeah, one thing that's not going to happen is me picking the Giants. The only question is, will I have them third or fourth? And we'll have to wait to find out. Um, yeah, probably. But um, we'll talk a little preseason here at the end. But, Tom, let's start with the Yankees. We had a full bitching session with Will to end the last podcast, and I think it was very therapeutic. Of course, I was going to say, that felt good. Two more games after that. Yeah. Yes, they, they did lose two more games after that. Um, co-worker Mike today was quiet because um, obviously he's a Mets fan, and I finally, on the way home, I said, wow, you were really quiet today. I can't really put my finger on why. Then I said, oh, yeah, Mets fans, classic, talk a lot of shit in June, and then shit's, and now you're only two and a half games in front of the Braves, and they're playing the Pirates this week. Yeah, it was, and the Mets, I think, are hosting the Rockies. So, But it, Philly, it's yeah. definitely... It definitely is one of those deals where, like, the baseball season, that's why we waited so long to really address the season because, obviously, there was a lot of NBA and shit going on. But, like, 
dude, it just changes so quickly. And, you know, we have that bitching session. The Yankees lose two more games. It's just like, God, nothing works. They find a way to win Sunday. They find a way, to, a way to win Monday. And then last night, I don't know how they escaped that ninth inning, but they did. And we're talking about a three-game winning streak heading out to the West Coast to face two really horrible teams. So I got to ask you, are you feeling any different since our, since our rant the other night? Um, I guess I guess yes and no. Um, from a regular season standpoint, I, the sky is not falling anymore. But, Sean, do you feel any better about us beating Houston in the playoffs? Well, I don't, but the first things first is I feel – I still don't feel 100% comfortable about winning the division. Yeah. But that win on Sunday was huge. Absolutely it was, but I, I just – I don't know why. Maybe it's a it's a curse of mine. I, I'm just I'm looking ahead to the playoffs, and and even shorter than that, looking ahead to winning the division. And I, I, I those wins don't didn't convince me of anything. The one thing I did like to see was good pitching, and I also a couple of a couple of RBIs that didn't come off home runs felt pretty good. Yeah, well, Ben Attendee is. Outside of Judge, obviously hitting the two home runs in the Subway Series, the last the one last night was an absolute cock shot. Judge but, also had an RBI single, by the way. Yes, he did later on in that game. But Ben Benintendi was the spark plug. I mean, he hits the two-run home run to seal the win on Sunday. Uh, huge, huge win. You know, they were staring a sweep of the Blue Jays right in the face with Manoa pitching. Um, and obviously Cortez did what Cortez does. And I was shocked to see them win Monday. I'm sure when you saw Scherzer versus Herman, you yeah. didn't think the Yankees were going to end up winning that one, right? Not at all. No, you see Scherzer against anybody, you're not too confident. But Herman just uh, – he pitched a good game, though. You know, he's been sneaky good. It's it's kind of just glossed over because of Montgomery looking like Bob Gibson since he's gone to <laughs> St. Louis. But You, know, you could have called that from a mile away, right? Oh, for sure. And again, you know, he was not going to start for the Yankees. I think really what's hurt, what's really hurt the Yankees fans' feelings with Montgomery more so than anything. It's not even that Bader hasn't played yet, and I wanted to get your take on it too. Like, it's that Montas hasn't been the Montas that we thought we were getting, at least not yet. But he was really good last night. Yeah, I think Will has a strong early hatred for, for Montas. Which is fair, you know. You give up a starter who, okay, wasn't wasn't you know a top. You were tired of him, but in your rotation. At the end I of was the getting day, tired of him. he was an innings eater. Yeah, and he was stable. You know, he was taking the ball every fifth day, and for the most part, giving you a chance to win. I, I was sick and tired of him giving up runs as soon as he was spotted runs because the narrative around him all the time was the Yankees never score for him, and then the Yankees score for him, and he pisses away the lead, which I was getting tired of. But I always appreciated him for what he was. But you thought you were getting an upgrade with Montas, which which so far you haven't gotten, and that's really been you know the the biggest complaint. But Herman, outside of that first game against Houston, has not really been that bad. No, not not at all. I mean, you want more obviously out of out of Montas, but do you want to talk more about Bader and why he we haven't seen him yet? Well, they knew that. Right, they, yeah. they traded for him when he was in a walking boot with plantar fasciitis, and his it sounded like his timeline was mid mid September, right up there with Severino, and so we know we haven't seen him yet, and that's just frustrating. But you watch Aaron Hicks play center, you see the the tread that Judge still gets playing center. Floreal can't play every day. I love this Cabrera kid, 
but he's not a center fielder. No. So Harrison Bader is going to get a chance to win the center field job, and he should win the center field job for the fact that you gave up a very reliable, you know, starter uh, to go get him. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, we, I mean, for the I guess Yankees fans that they're going to pound the table when they make their silly arguments, but we knew he wasn't going to start. Uh, right away because, again, he was in a walking boot, and I guess we're gonna, just going to have to hold off. I, I'm pretty confident he's going to win that job. I mean, he's a gold glove last year center fielder, and if he can just do a little bit more than what Hicks did, then he'll be fine. Yeah, they're, they traded for him with the expectation that he's going to win that job and get the to be honest, playing time. To be yep. honest, I think he's going to be better than we expect, or I guess maybe other people expect because I expect him to be better, and I think he's going to have some sneaky pop. Yeah, I mean, he's had success with St. Louis, and they didn't really want to trade him, but they needed a starter, much like the Yankees need a reliable center fielder. I don't, especially in late innings in playoff games, you know, you're not going to want Aaron Judge playing center and either Carpenter or Stanton playing right. You're going to want Benintendi, Bader, and Judge, and that right there is all three of those are gold glove outfielders. So this move was made for October, but of course at the time, Tom, they were 13 and a half games up in the division. They're now eight. You nervous? So I am because the injuries, although they're getting healthy, Stanton tomorrow night is back. By the time this pod drops, you know, on the East coast, he's going to be activated that night. Uh, Holmes is Monday. Um, they, they have Britain starting a rehab. He pitched tonight through a scoreless inning. So they're getting healthier, dude. But, you know, you still got to put together. They got to go on this West Coast trip, and in the seven games, four in Oakland, three in Anaheim, they can go no less than five and two. That's your expectation. I'm going to say they go five and two. How about you? I'm going to I'm 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 going to back with my boy here. Um, I mean, Oakland always makes me a little. I don't know. They're so bad, though, bro. I know, but I don't know why they're just they're just a thorn in my side. Makes me nervous. I'm, I'm, I, I'll stick with five and two. I expect that. How about that? I'll, I'm not gonna say I, I'm not gonna say that it's gonna happen, but I expect them to go five and two. And then they play three in Tampa, and by then you've got Stanton back. You'll have Holmes back, so the bullpen's gonna take shape. Because the biggest thing right now, takeaway that I have, is think how solidified that bullpen was for months. Right, you knew Holmes was going to pitch the ninth. You knew King was p- going to pitch the seventh, eighth, or he was going to at least be able to go get, you know, the most important outs prior to the ninth inning. You had Peralta in his spot. You had Schmidt and Marinaccio in their spots. Now it's just this complete clusterfuck of who's going to get the final outs. I mean, dude, Boone last night had Schmidt do everything he could. He threw sixty pitches to try to get a save, and Peralta had to come in and bail him out. It's just. It's a lot. It's it's really it's really unsettling, but you, you take those wins when you can. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, geez, uh, the bullpen, it's just – I, I get nervous now, which is like night and day from from the pre-All-Star break of, of just whenever – it's like you get to the sixth inning and you're like, oh, God. I mean, it was automatic. Yeah. It was absolutely automatic. No, no so doubt about it. I mean, that sucks. And I don't know. I'm I'm still down on them. I really am. I'm still I'm still kind of timidly. What what would he say? Tempering my expectations. I really am. I I do not want to get too excited. 
Because then I'm going to end up like all Mets fans where they don't even want to talk today. Well, here's my expectation. Go out and take five out of seven on the West Coast at minimum. And then you go to Tampa. You find a way to take two or three down in the trap. What you hope for is that Toronto and Tampa don't completely take advantage or that they lose a couple games. But, man, Toronto's playing Boston right now and Tampa's playing Anaheim. I mean, they're racking up wins, and it's that—that's not what they were doing early, which helped the Yankees get to the lead that they were at. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you want to look this far ahead. I guess I already have, and I said it. How do you feel about the Yankees in the playoffs? Got to get everybody back. You got to get everybody back, and you got to get roles, you know, solidified. That's that's where they're going to be if they're at this position heading into the playoffs. And even if they win the division, I don't like their chances at all. But if Holmes is back pitching to what he was and Stanton's hitting home runs and Carpenter's back and Bader wins the center field job and gives you more than Hicks, you you talk yourself into this, you know, being just fine. But, you know, another big key is Montas. Montas, he threw the ball, I thought, pretty well last night, right? And hopefully that's the start of a good run that he goes on. I, I agree. I think I just think he's too good of a pitcher to end up like Sonny Gray. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like it's nerves or anything like that, I think. He was just missing a lot of locations and a lot of walks. See, I'm glad you mentioned that last part because this is a guy with really impeccable control. And when he's walking, guys, he's in big trouble. But, Tom, he's a lot like, you know, uh, uh, one of those top sinker ballers. When he's on, he gets a lot of double plays, and we saw that last night. A couple of them bailed him out big time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you got to love that, especially looking into the playoffs where if he gets himself into trouble, he can always get himself out with that double play ball. That's huge. And the defense is coming in. The last Yankee point I want to talk about, obviously, because the rest is just going to be impending returns of guys who are out. But what do you think of this Oswaldo Cabrera kid? I've been absolutely fascinated and really have turned into a big fan of his. I know he hasn't really hit. But his versatility and energy, man, he has been a fun guy to watch throughout this bat stretch. He's electric. I mean, like I said, he's a better version of that kid that they brought up last year. Oh, Velasquez, yeah. Yes, but it's fun, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, like you said earlier, they need to get their roles straight and they need to get their A game or their A-plus players back where they need to be in order for us to win anything. For sure, but you know, during the course of the long season, especially it's when great to have guys like that come up and give you a little bit of a spark. That's exactly it, man. That's exactly it. You you got to have those moments where somebody that came, comes out of nowhere plays well. I mean, you threw the guy out at home last night, robbed a home run a couple games ago, made a diving play at third, made a Derek at, Derek Jeter esque play at short. He's making plays all over the field, and he's saving their asses right now on defense because you, Hicks has not been playable. They don't want Floriel's bat in the lineup all the time. And this dude's got an opportunity to play. He's he's been he's been impressive for sure. No doubt about it. I feel a little bit better, obviously, than I did a few a couple wins made me feel a little better about the Yankees. We're not in complete spiral out of control mode and we're not gonna be the Mets of last year breaking records for games in first place and then not making the playoffs, but especially with this new wild card. But I I still am tempering, I gotta tell you. Yeah, uh, and I think our expectation is 5-2 and two, uh, on the West Coast trip. I'm going to say 
that they can do no worse than six and four overall um, when you count the Tampa series after that. Six and four they have to do if they do anything less. I think that's a fair expectation, right? I'm not saying eight and two. No, for sure, a hundred percent. I mean, eight and two would have been the you know pre All Star break. They would have kept it rolling, but we're in the dog days right now. Summer's summer's coming to an end, and and six and four is perfect. If they don't do that, then I don't know what expectations we can even set because I think that's tempering them pretty fairly. Um, let's just talk Mets real fast because we have to. They were on the losing end of this Subway series, and. Were you shocked to see that DeGrom didn't get the start yesterday? I have a, a take on, on the whole situation, but I want to let you go with it first, that he didn't pitch and the Yankees kind of got bailed out, even though Walker's pretty good. Well, Walker's coming back off injury, so I, I felt pretty good about the game yesterday. Um, I just think they wanted to give DeGrom a day off, um, and they didn't want him facing the Yankees. Coming, He's just barely back off injury, and honestly, from a perspective of the Mets fans, I wouldn't be too, too worried. I just think they were gassed and they really needed the day off today. Yeah. Um, I always understand why managers do this, but last week we were projected to see Scherzer and DeGrom, and I think that this is kind of what's fucked with baseball or part of it, right? I mean, you have two first-place teams in New York battling for the second tier of Subway Series. Scherzer pitches game one, they lose, even though he looked okay. And you get the Yankees top, you know, trade trade pitcher and from the from the trade deadline at home to sweep this two game set. And Jacob DeGrom could go into Yankee Stadium and absolutely dominate and they just take that opportunity away. And no no offense to Taiwan Walker, but he's no Jacob DeGrom. And I think that's just theater that in a course about one hundred and sixty two game regular season it kind of sucks to not see. Totally disappointing. I understood why the Mets do it. It's the same thing as like I understand why on a TNT Thursday night or whenever night they do the basketball thing and the and the best player sits out just because it's time for his managed dress or whatever. Why they did it. Um, I mean, but if I'm a Mets fan, like they were just so sloppy in this series, and they just looked like they really needed a, a mental day off. Yeah, they were laboring. I mean, they won that game on Sunday in Philly where they put up the 10 runs. And, you know, they, they've they been really battling. They they feel like they're running away with the division, but the Atlanta Braves just don't lose. And, you know, you think that's a game that you want to get. You want to take three or four from the Yankees for bragging rights. You don't want to leave, you don't want to leave that series losing and being two and two as the Braves win yet again. And I understand that, you know, Walker pitched a really good game. It certainly wasn't like he didn't give them a chance to win, but you want to see Jacob, Jacob DeGrom take the hill and, and have an opportunity to just absolutely, you know, he could no hit the Yankees with the lineup the way it is. Right. And uh, to not see that just kind of sucks, even as the general fan. Yeah, no doubt. I would have rather seen DeGrom, although it kind of, it definitely benefited us to see Walker. Um, but again, Mets fans, I think you guys are going to be okay, although I really did enjoy the the little mini sweep there. The difference with the Mets and the Yankees that I'll say just to just to finish up, you know, my point is that the Mets can talk themselves into any playoff scenario because of the starting pitching. Oh, you know, yeah. You're going to go and the back the end of that pen as well. And exactly in Diaz. The Yankees you really want to win the division because you don't want to let fate 
you don't want to tempt fate by going in and limping in as a wild card team and having Garrett Cole and potentially Nestor Cortez or Frankie Montas be your be your starters in a best of three series. So, you know, that that's kind of the perk the Mets have where yeah, they want to win the division. There's no fucking doubt about it. But if they don't, I think you still feel really good giving the ball to DeGrom and Scherzer. Whereas the Yankees are like, if you don't win this division and guarantee yourself at least a best of five to start, uh, things are not looking nearly as optimistic. No, not at all. Especially if they get that wild card, they they like, they could very easily lose to a Seattle or something. Absolutely. I mean, they could lose to Seattle in the first round if Seattle gets through the wild card, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I think I've already called that on this podcast. And if they face him in the wild card game, it's like, yeah, we take the first game, and then, like you said, Nestor and and Montas cough up the next two, and and it's an early it's an early winter. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully that's not where that's hopefully not where they're where they're projected to go and they're going to figure it out and get some guys healthy, but we'll talk probably in a week. Part of right me feels like, part of happens. me feels like you're trying to talk yourself into this too. I'm just being optimistic about, you know, this team that was so good for so long. Yeah. It's not like last year. I don't, I don't get the happen. vibe. You're being overly optimistic at all. I just, I, no. I feel like you're just trying just a little bit to talk yourself into it. You're convincing me a little bit too, but we do, we, we need this division. Well, if Holmes comes back and he's the Holmes of the last couple of weeks, it doesn't matter. If Stanton comes back and he doesn't hit at all, that doesn't matter. If Carpenter has a setback or, you know, Britton comes back and he's not, and he's basically Chapman where you can't pitch him in big spots, you're, you're, you're kind of fucked too. You know, all of these things are based off of regressing to what you were in the first three and a half months of the season, which was easily up there with the Dodgers, the best team in baseball. No so, doubt. No doubt about you it. Know, it's not like I'm trying to talk myself into a, a six-game winning streak back in May like we were last year. Yep. No, this year is definitely different. I'm just hoping that we don't end up with the same result. For sure, man. We all are. Um, all right. We called it, so we don't need to spend too much time on it, but it is news. Tom Kevin Durant rescinded his trade request. He's back in Brooklyn. They're going to, quote-unquote, run it back, but the terminology of the post made it sound like they're committed to making this work for the duration of the contract from the outside looking in as the non-net fan on the pod. What are your thoughts? Obviously I know, you know, you're right, but just what does the landscape look like now in the East knowing that we actually have this answered? And are you at all surprised, even though you called it that there is not a trade manifested here? Well, there wasn't a trade manifested because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are the worst PR people for themselves ever. Um, they both completely tanked their trade value to the point where the Nets and Joe Sy would be all-time idiots to trade them for whatever the offers they were getting because they were trash. I mean, the best offer that they were getting was possibly, and we don't even know how true it is, Jalen Brown and, and Derek White. Um, and Jalen Brown's a great player, but he's not KD. So, of course, I'm not surprised there. Um, when you have no other options, it's like when you threaten to quit your job and you don't have any other job offers out there, you're just going to go in with your tail between your legs and show back up to work, right? KD's under a contract for four years and he wants to play basketball. He's going to fucking play basketball and he's going to play nice with the Nets. Do I think this is completely over? No, I don't because, I mean, look at NBA players. If if the tomorrow, if it rains, maybe he'll change his mind and be like, I don't like Brooklyn because it's raining. So, so I mean, come December, 
if the Nets get off to an ice cold start and Kyrie Irving's up to his antics of having second practices after Steve Nash has a practice and um, Ben Simmons is doing whatever Ben Simmons does. I can't even really describe it because it's so weird. Uh, maybe Kevin Durant asks for out again, but as of right now, Kevin Durant is a Brooklyn net. And I think that probably makes them in my humble opinion, the third best team in the East closely followed by if James Harden can do what James Harden used to do. And if the heat can stay healthy, those two teams, but I think the bucks and the Celtics are better than them, but they're absolutely right there. That was really well said. Uh, a lot to unpack there. And I think you're right on all accounts the, from PR, you know, like how can you possibly, I mean, I said that like, mu- like literally when it first came out, I was like, what do these guys think is going to happen? Right. Well, the Kyrie thing was interesting, right? Because he could have easily said, I'll pick up my option, but you have to trade me. And all indications are that he has not, not only not done that, but he's been, you know, actually uh, having constructive conversations with with the Nets front office, which is nice to hear. Uh, Does that mean anything in the summertime? Of course, absolutely not. But yeah, for Durant, it was really weird. I think to him and it must be an ego check that teams were not willing to part with the requisite return that the Nets and Durant thought that they were going to get. Remember this isn't talked about enough, but when Durant requested the trade back in the last day of June, Woj said that Marks and Durant were going to work together to find a trade partner and they couldn't do it well One that made sense for the organization and all the teams Durant wanted to go to none of those teams were going to look any better than this carnation of the Nets if they had to trade what they should have traded to get them. well here's the other thing is that I mean, aside from Kevin Durant is one of probably the 12 best basketball players of all time. So he shouldn't really be offended by the trade value thing because the reason why his, I guess, quote unquote, trade value was so low was because no teams were confident that he wanted to be there either. And they would end up in the same boat as what the Nets are in right now were in um, in December. And he could be like, I don't want to play here either. Yeah, exactly. Like, look at James Harden. I think James Harden scared the shit out of a out of a lot of teams when it comes to trading for these super duper stars because the guy fucking tanked his way out of two places within less than 24 months. I think that's a really good point and one that needs to be talked about more. Durant has a sneaky long enough track record now where it's not Kyrie but it's close and it's kind of funny that they're both playing on the same team because Enjoy that. Yeah, thanks. Um and you know I'll talk myself into them because they still are two. Of, of the course best you will. I would too. I'm a Knicks you know, fan. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I never do, Tom. I never do. Um, but, yeah, and I, by the way, I think this does impact the uh, Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes just a little bit, which we can talk about afterwards. But um, I think at the end of the day, these two, both, both Durant in his current situation and the Nets in their current situation kind of need each other. And this does not strike me as a last dance. I, I, I said that earlier this summer, and I kind of want to walk that back. I think that this entire situation, unless the unless it comes out the way that you 
that you formulated it, which is not out of the realm of possibility. I, I understand that of come December, they're floundering around 500. There's injuries. The roster looks bad. Marks hasn't done a good job. I think at that point, though, the fires, the firing squad's going on Marks and Nash. It's not going to go on the Nets overall. It's going to be point. you've had two you've had two summers now to build a really good roster around these guys and you're not doing a good enough job. Like if Royce O'Neal doesn't look good, if TJ Warren's hurt again, if, if you bring in like a Markeith Morris or something and he doesn't play well, like, okay, well now you have to really do a deep dive and say, well, Sean Mark's completely untouchable. I think then you have a different conversation because Joe Sy, Clara Wusai, his wife, you know, they want Durant there. They want this to be a long-term situation. And I think that's going to result in a Kyrie Irving extension too. But overall, I don't think that this is a last dance situation unless things just go completely haywire. But again, in that case, I really think it's going to then fall on management right now. Side doesn't want to let any of those guys go at this, but in six months, Oh, he easily could, like you said, as, as, as it should. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think the first thing would be the firing of those guys and getting more of Kevin Durant's guys in there because these were his guys in the first place. So there's just a lot of guys. Um, but with that, with that being said, yeah, I mean the last dance thing again. I'm I'm a big believer in the Aaron Rodgers things was stupid too. The last dance, you know, the last dance means you won recently and and you haven't. But I get I get the analogy of what you're saying. I think Kevin Durant is most likely here to stay for the long run. I was just talking about, like, literal worst-case scenario. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I do think that he's going to figure it out. And I, I do. I, I think he had an eye-opener that it's just like, I'm in a rock and a hard place here, and I, I just kind of got to make the best of it. Also, you know, when he signed that extension, he was under the assumption that not only Irving was going to sign his, but Harden was going to sign his. And when they did, yep. I'm sure he felt kind of abandoned, maybe not only by those two guys, but then well, also word on by the street is office. him and Harden didn't speak until they went to a Travis Scott concert like two weeks ago. Yeah, I heard that. And I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, Harden showed up out of shape and he was not the player that the Nets thought he was going to be last I, year or even the Sixers. I honestly, I don't even mean to like, I, I can't even believe I'm defending Harden, but like I do, I blame Harden for wanting to get out of Houston. Yes, because they gave him everything under the sun. They built 10 different teams around him to yeah, try and the, win and everything. But the Nets thing for him wanting to get out of there, if that, if you just put that in a vacuum alone, I somewhat understand that because, like, the way they handled the Kyrie situation and everything, I would have just been like, what the fuck is going on? No, and that's a good point. I, I, I also – I will just push back a little on the Houston part. I think he had earned the right to push his way out. They were rebuilding the owner. There was a new owner. Daryl Morey was gone. Yeah, good point. was gone. You know, and they were going to be a really bad team, and he didn't want to waste his time playing on a really bad team, which I understood. Sure. Maybe but, I should say he went about it the wrong way. How about that? Of course. I think we agree on that. But the the net situation, your point is well taken, right? I mean, the Nets mismanaged the Kyrie situation, and that led to Durant getting hurt, which led to the shell of a roster with a lot of other guys like Aldridge and Griffin, and, you know, that didn't pan out, and Millsap, that didn't pan out. So Harden's kind of stuck by himself with Kyrie playing half the games, with KD hurt because there was too much stress on him early on because the Nets took this, you know, really strong stance that there will be no part-time players only to cave to him in December. So yeah. 
I think Katie had a right to be really pissed at management. Say, listen, if you're asking me to buy into this team, you know, things were very different 12 months ago and things are not that way now. And Nash has not been a good coach. I'm not saying he can't be a good coach, but he's not been one so far. Marks has not been perfect. He certainly isn't absolved of any issues, right? No, not at all. And I mean, I don't know if Steve Nash is a good coach because this is his first go around, but you can't say that this was a ready-made easy situation for, for Nash given the last two years. Like he's had to put Absolutely up with not. a lot of shit. More he than has. probably, I mean, shit, probably any coach of all time given the off-the-court and the antics of of KD and obviously Harden and most importantly Kyrie Irving. I mean, Jesus Christ. You got the guy coaching his own practices and then he's not playing and then he's playing. It's like... My head would be spinning in seven different directions. I'd probably kill the guy. Yeah, and, and you know, again, Harden is not completely without blame either. He didn't no, show not up at all. camp in shape, I, and he was a shell of himself. Again, another situation where I totally understand why he left, but he handled it in a very, very t- t- bad way. But, hey, can you fault the guy? It's like if my kid cries and I give him ice cream, Next time he's going to cry and, and and expect ice cream. It's like, well, yeah, I got fat and, and tanked my way out of Houston. Why? Why? It's worked twice for him now. So what's to say he won't do it a third time? Yeah, well, I, and I think that two-year deal with Philly is certainly in, – it's really good um, – it's a really good safeguard for the 76ers in case he tries to. But No doubt. I think just to put a bow on it, I would put the Nets somewhere in that five to six range. I would so who do you have ahead of him? Because I only put, for sure, I only put the Celtics and the uh, and the Bucks ahead of them. You think Miami's in front too? Yep, I have to give them their credit, and I also think Philly is, is mm. ahead of them. I just don't. I have to see Harden. Yeah, but you know what? I need to see Simmons, and I need to see Kyrie True. a full season, and I need to see Durant a full season. And that's season, the thing we just hurt. talked about. We just talked about all this stuff, and I and we barely even mentioned Simmons. Yeah, exactly. And how like and how wild card. you know bet- between uh, KD, it's it's insane that you have two less stable players on the team than Kevin Durant right now. <laughs> I know it's, KD it's is Mister is Mister fucking Mariano Rivera. He's Mister Reliable for you guys. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so funny, bro. Because like two years ago, you know, we're finishing the bubble playoffs or the bubble playoffs are going on. And I'm just looking forward to the season starting where you have Kyrie and KD. Well, yeah, the and if, if Kevin Durant doesn't uh, have a size 15 and he only has a size 14 or whatever, you guys might be in the NBA Finals. Yeah, and if Harden doesn't pull the hammy and Irving doesn't step on Giannis's fat foot. A lot foot, of sliding doors. A lot one, of sliding doors. In, in, within the last couple, you know, 24 months. It's insane. As a fan, it's been exhausting, and I had kind of resigned myself to the fact that even though you and I both said that he'll probably be back, that there would be a team, and Durant would want out enough that there would be some kind of resolution where he was on a different team, and I was like, just get me Jalen Brown. Like That's really well, all I want. I, I just think I think Kevin Durant wanted out, but he also wanted it on his terms because there was some offers out there, and I think I also like to think that if – Teams truly believe that that the the main reason why Kevin Durant wanted a trade was because he genuinely just wanted to get out of that situation, wanted to get into a better basketball situation. There would have been talks, and it would have come to 
whoever reported like the craziest package ever. But it never even got to that because I feel like Kevin Durant heard, oh, Memphis is interested in you. And he's like, well, I want to leave, but I don't want to go there. And well, this team's interested in you. It's like, okay, so not only do you want to leave, but only like three teams that don't even have a a snowball's chance in hell of getting you with the packages that they have. Those are who you want to go to as well. So he just tanked it all the way around. For sure. And the Nets, I give I give Joe Sy a lot of credit. I mean, you know, he this guy is one of the richest people in the world, and he didn't get that way from caving into negotiations. And he's like, Yeah, we're gonna be happy to trade you. We'll we'll get we'll trade you when we get the best package. But you see, New Orleans won't trade Ingram, Toronto won't trade Barnes, uh, Memphis won't trade Jaron Jackson or Desmond Bain, and obviously not Ja. Like yeah. What do you what are you gonna expect? What do you want like, from me? I got a I got a right. team here. You've got, you know, fucking Phoenix offering Mikael Bridges and four firsts. Well the Nets are like, Well, we're still trying to win, so why the hell would we do that? Yeah. And I do think, you know, the Rudy Gobert trade, Bill Simmons mentioned it on his podcast, the Rudy Gobert trade just completely cha- changed everything. Because if that just ludicrous trade doesn't go down, and let's just say Utah gets maybe 70% of what they got. I think Kevin Durant's gone. Well, you know what? Yeah, you might you might want to be thanking your lucky stars for, for Rudy Gobert because I, I still think at the end of the day, looking at it from your perspective, I'm happy right now. As up in the air as everything could be, because right now, as a Brooklyn Nets fan, you talk about tempering expectations. You just you need to expect anything and everything after what you've been through over the past 24 months. But currently constituted, I'm, I'm as happy as I could possibly be given the circumstances that somehow these two guys are still on this team and you guys have a very decent chance at winning an NBA title. Yeah, and that's that's just insane. When, when the dust clears, like you just you think about what what the situation actually could be, which is a championship team. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. I'd be it could shocked. Also be a first round. It could also be a first round exit again. Yeah, and I, I listen personally. I'd be shocked, given the volatility of all three of their big three being Simmons. If you ever, I mean, you can't even call him a big three because he hasn't played basketball in twenty years. Um, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I'd be shocked if they won the title, but. There's, I mean, their odds are very, very good. I think they're like eight to one right now. And if anybody takes that bet, that's insane. But they're eight to one to win the title. And and you got to feel pretty good given what happened, like you said, at the end of June to where you are right now. And I've been calling it since the jump. You have been, you have been. And I was, I was there with you, although I had, I was, you know, a little bit swayed when I kept seeing a new team jump in and new team jump in. But Tom, the thing for, a franchise like the Nets when you have, you know, they've just been such a beleaguer fan base. And I'm, I know I'm speaking to a Knicks fan, so don't think that I'm talking out of school here, but you know, we've had really good players in this franchise's history over the years, but you never, you never really win. Right. You get close a couple times, but you never really win. And at this point, yeah, obviously with not winning a championship with this core core, just meaning Irving and Durant, it would be a huge disappointment from where our expectations were both before Harden with Harden after Harden now with Simmons. But I just want to watch one of the best basketball players or a couple of the best basketball players ever just play for my team. 
because who knows when the Nets are going to be in that situation again. And if, if things really fall apart and, and the Nets don't solidify that fan base, you know, are the players going to really want to go there? And, you know, you see it, you know, the Knicks have had really, they've been starved of talent because of how bad things have gotten over the years. But when you get a great player, you really want to hold on to them and no doubt and just watch them every single night, whether you're going to win a chip or not. So I'm just excited to be able to watch Kevin Durant play on my team every night. I hope it means a championship. I feel the same about Kyrie, but who knows? At least I'll be able to, I won't feel bad about having my league pass again this year. So that's nice. <laughs> I'm glad you renewed. There we go. Um, where does this leave the Donovan Mitchell situation in your opinion? I mean, I, I I don't know because I feel like with the Kevin Durant trade, I just feel like most of it was bullshit, really, honestly. I don't know if I believe it affects um, as many as many people and as many teams and as many players as you thought because the Donovan Mitchell market, I think, is much more legit because I think Danny Age is involved and he will will make the deal if he feels it's if he feels he's winning the trade. I just think that the Kevin Durant deal, nothing ever really got super serious because the teams with the assets that could actually go out and get him, Kevin Durant wouldn't have played there. So I just I feel like there was never a real market for Kevin Durant. Um, but with that being said, I, I think the, the Donovan Mitchell trade, I don't think the Durant thing really affects it. I think what really affects it is the other trade that Utah made with the Gobert. I think it affects it a little bit uh, because there were teams that were interested in Durant that were realized they they're not even in negotiations anymore. And I think it was up until yesterday, a Knicks or bust situation. But I think when you take Pat Riley into account and how he was probably trying to find a third team to maybe take Bam so that the Nets, so that he could get Durant or whatever, like now that's not, that's not going to happen. I, and there's been Miami Donovan Mitchell rumors. I just feel like Donovan Mitchell is going to be moved. I don't, I don't see him even starting the season in Utah. I think Utah wants a clean slate and Donovan Mitchell doesn't allow them that. And listen, the Knicks have been able to pretty much do what they've wanted. They got Brunson effortlessly, you know, with tampering probably a little bit involved there. Did they but, get fined for that yet? Or is that coming down? It's got to be coming down. I think there's still the investigation ongoing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Tom, like, I think the Knicks have to find a way to get him. And I know it's probably going to come at a price, but you got to go get this guy. I agree with you. And I think I think sooner than later, because I think the more you wait, the more that the buzz is going to get around the league and, and better the price is just going to go up. And that's kind of my point. Whereas if you look at a team like Toronto, let's say that they really wanted – Durant, but didn't want to part with Scotty Barnes because that's what it would have taken to get him, right? Well, it's not going to take Scotty Barnes to get Donovan Mitchell. Nope. So, can they offer a couple of picks plus Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Siakam? Yeah, and you know what? One of those guys. But my only argument to that is. I mean, Siakam and, and uh, OG Ananobi are probably better than any of the Knicks players that they have to offer, but. If I'm Sean Marks, I might just insult myself in the meeting and say, "Do you do you want do you want the Toronto picks, which are probably going to be pretty bad, or you do want our picks? We suck at our jobs, so they're probably going to be 
you're rebuilding anyways. Do you want players or do you want picks? You're, yeah, I mean... That's the only argument you really have is the fact that if you're trying to do a full-on rebuild, you want the most valuable picks you can get, and the Knicks, outside of a couple of teams in the league, have the most valuable picks just because they're incompetent year in and year out, and they're always well, in the lottery. Well, they have so many of them, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have their own. They have other teams who might not be all that good. Like, that's the thing. Like, if they, they want to offer five first-round picks, they can. And I kind of – I don't know if you feel the same way, but I had this thought. The Knicks, re- like, refusing to relinquish draft picks, if that's pretty much all it takes to get – Donovan Mitchell, it kind of feels like the Yankees refusing to give a prospect of which they have plenty of them. Nice comp. A hundred percent because it's like with the Yankees, I mean all prospects, it's like they currently suck but with the Knicks, it's like all draft picks currently suck because you guys don't know how to fucking draft. Let's go out there and get a proven guy. And you've already done half of the load of work this offseason by getting Brunson. You wanted him and you got him. Dallas did everything they could to keep him. Other teams wanted him. And the Knicks cured him. So now it kind of feels like, and I'm going to use your term that you use all the time, again, kind of a Yankee analogy, is you're half pregnant. Okay, great. You have Jalen Brunson with R.J. Barrett, Manuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Mitch Robb is back, you know, Obi Toppin. Julius. Like, what? Julius, like, what are you, right? Like, it took me that long to say Julius Randle because of how bad he was last year. Like, I know. Okay, where where are you? So go get Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of draft picks, but that's fine. If you have Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, you're going to be good enough where those picks are not all that consequential. No, you're going to make the playoffs. And be better than just the playoffs. Yeah, you might even avoid the playing game. No, might... I think that's a t- I think that's a team that threatens for four, like a fourth, four or three seed in, in right in the right world. Especially yeah. if RJ takes the lead. If everything break, if everything breaks right, a hundred percent. But I, I don't know. All my teams outside of my New York Jets are very frustrating right now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's segue into that to wrap up. There you go. Two hundred and fifty, Tom. That see, this shows that it's two hundred fifty episodes. You just say your Jets, knowing that that's going to take us right into the preseason. Let me know what you think about your Jets so far. Obviously, we talked about the Zach Wilson injury already. Um, they hardly played anybody against Atlanta, but they out said of camp, that. what you're reading, what are you what are you taking out of where the Jets are at two weeks at, into preseason? I haven't watched all of preseason, but I have watched. Um, I've tried to watch all the the first team snaps or whatever there is of the first team because Zach's not playing. Um, I really, I, I think Elijah Moore is going to have like a top 15 receiver type year. I think he's going to emerge as a true wide receiver, number one on the team. Um, I'm liking what I see from the offensive line. The defense has a lot of dogs on it. And this Brees Hall guy is going to be fucking filthy. Yeah, Brees Hall and Bryce Hall. Who's Brees Hall? Which one's the good one? <laughs> well, Brees Hall's the running back. That's who I'm talking about. And Bryce Hall is the corner. Nah, I I mean, I, I think our defense is going to be much improved. I, I'd, I'd like to think we're going to sit in the top 12, top top 15 at least, top half of the league. Um, and Sauce has looked excellent. Um, but this running back, I think, is going to be like super duper. Like everybody look out for him in your fantasy leagues. I'm telling you, I think he's going to be a top 15 fantasy points running back this year. 
They also got Michael Carter at a really good rookie year. Yeah, and Michael Carter's that great third down change of pace back that you need like a Tony Pollard kind of guy right now where you know you need somebody to to do a million different things on third down and really throw the defense for a loop that's what you have but you also have the Ezekiel Elliott I, I don't know why I'm using Cowboys as a comp here but I do think it's perfect um bell cow kind of guy who can also block and haul Will's not on this podcast just letting you know I know I know Will somewhere is uh is crying tears of joy for that comp <laughs> he definitely will be when he listens. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the Jets are, are obviously losing Wilson for the first couple weeks sucks because you want him to play as much as he possibly can and not suffer what Darnold went through. But the situation, I think, is completely different. This defense is going to be it's good. night and day. Sauce Gardner hasn't been targeted yet. And I know it's the preseason and he hasn't played, you know, the best quarterbacks, but like, Teams aren't throwing the ball to the to the receiver he's guarding. Honestly, if you watch like the snaps that he plays, the quarterback doesn't even look to his side of the field. No, no, he's he's an absolute beast, and that alone is going to just obviously you you know firsthand what it's like when you had Revis in his prime, which I still contend is the best two three years of a corner I've ever seen. Because yeah. I'm too young for I'm too young for um, Dion. Dion, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I think you've got a lot to be optimistic about. And fuck records. We'll talk about that later on in our preview. But I think there's just a lot of things about this team. The vibe around this team feels different just from the outsiders, the Giants fan. I'm sure you reading everything and having the Jets on your BR, I'm sure you've got a lot to be optimistic about. This is, like, different than years past, right? Oh, totally different. No doubt about it. There's – they just – it's just they, they have – competence and they have talent they have actual talent they have it's crazy like even talking like fantasy like when was the last time anybody mentioned a Jets player where where they might actually be like a and like 90% owned fantasy player like I, I swear to god I don't even remember the last time that happened no it's been a long time yeah it's been a long time like there's they're gonna have multiple guys that are and I know this doesn't reflect regular football, but just talking about talent that are going to be in everybody's fantasy lineups every week. Um, let's talk Giants real quick. How do you feel about Danny Dimes? I mean, I feel like you've kind of alluded to it, but I just I just really want to know um, because I, I just I haven't heard a single person say anything good about him. It's preseason, and he's a year four starter. He looked really, really good against Cincinnati. We're well past the point of we should be looking at a performance of your starting quarterback in year four against a team in preseason to say, ooh, that makes me feel good. Um, I'm down on him a lot I, I for two reasons. I, I need to see him I need to see him produce with talent, which he has now, and a better offensive line that he has now. And he needs to be on the fucking field more than 10 games a year. Yep. Whether that's his fault or the team's fault. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I I can tell you what's going to happen in the first two or three weeks. He's going to have one game like he did in the New Orleans game last year where he just absolutely slings it and he runs for a touchdown or two and he looks sharp and everybody buys in. 
And then as the season goes on, he's going to have one or two of those games where they're driving late and he's made a couple big time throws. And then he just makes that terrible decision, either putting the ball on the ground or putting the ball in the cornerback or safety's hands. Uh, that cost him a game. And I think Brian Dable is somebody who's coached Josh Allen and seen the progression with him is going to get really, really frustrated with him. Is it enough to see him lose his job? I know we kind of laughed at it tongue in cheek when we did our, our, uh, our rankings. I don't know if it's enough for that. I think things would have to be really weird in giants in the giant situation for him to lose his job for Tyrod Taylor. But I don't know, man, I, I I'm down on him. Well, I'm in agreement with you. All I got to say is Caleb Williams. You know that's my guy. Yeah, I know he is. That guy and can you know, rip Bri- it. You know, Bryce Young is mine. <laughs> I, I just think this Caleb Williams guy, I just so much Patrick Mahomes in him. Actually, he reminds me more of Herbert. He Well, his arm reminds you a lot of Herbert. Right? Yeah, but also his his smoothness, getting outside the pocket, and just being able to throw on the run. And it's not – he doesn't look – I don't know how to say it. He just looks like he's gliding. It's just, ugh. I would, I for would love to see that. For episode 251, you want to do a college football preview? Um, Pass. <laughs> but I will be ready for college football this season, whatever iteration this is. And that was another question I had for you before we went. How how do you, You're an Alabama fan. You're an SEC guy, so it's a little different. But it's just like it just is so hard for me to give a shit about college football when – all this movement is happening, and now you have the Big Ten getting even bigger with USC and UCLA, and you have, obviously, we talked about it earlier a couple months ago with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. It's like, why the fuck do I care? Like At this point, let's get rid of all conferences. Let's just put everybody into a pool that actually matters and let's let them get all their own individual TV deals like pro sports does. And, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, listen, how big are you on rivalries? Like traditional rivalries? I'm, I was huge. Like, obviously I love like, you know, the red river rivalry or whatever it's called. And you'll still have it. Yes. Um, What's what's the one played at a neutral site? The one I don't give. The one that I think is stupid. Is that the well, Red that's, River? That's, yeah, no. that's Texas Oklahoma. Texas Oklahoma. Like why they have to play but that's it at a neutral real rivalry? They've always been in the same conference. Of they course, but I mean we're losing some rivalries, right? But that's what I that's what I'm asking you. Like, don't use that as an example because even though they're both going no, to the of SEC, that's never going to change. But Texas, Texas. A&M, that's finally going to come back, but that was huge that we've had on hey Sure, but we're losing some as well. That's my point. Like, do you care? Like, listen, I'm not a huge Big Ten guy. Everybody knows that. There's so many. I think it's the most overhyped conference in both basketball and football every fucking year, but I understand it because there's huge name schools. Yeah, you got Michigan, Ohio State, but like for the noon game, I would definitely always watch like Iowa, Minnesota, or like Wisconsin, Purdue. Like those are good games. But now you're telling me in October where it's like, oh, by the way, USC is in a conference battle against uh, I don't know. Let's say the uh, the the Minnesota Golden Gophers in Minnesota. I'm like, what? No, I know. It's like you want to see USC in Oregon. 
Right. Which you'll you you'll still get, but like I feel for Oregon too, and I think Oregon's not long for the Pac-12. What we're gonna have, I think, is and let me know if you think differently. I don't know if you saw the now completed deal that I think is gonna start not this year but 2023, where ESPN lost its Big Ten rights to Fox. Um, CBS and somebody else, uh, Amazon maybe. So all of those games now will be off of ESPN Network. And the SEC game of the week, that was always that 3.30 Eastern game where it's like, oh, we got Auburn, Alabama, or we've got LSU, Florida, is now going to be an S- a Big Ten game. And I think there's going to be an ESPN conference, and I think there's going to be a Fox slash <laughs> I don't CBS mind that. I mean, I don't know what they'll call it. You think they'll just straight up call it like the ESPN conference? Well, think about this, right? The ACC has an exclusive deal with ESPN. The SEC has an exclusive deal with ESPN, which was always the case outside of that one standalone 330 game on CBS. The Big Ten has that big noon game, which always seems to be a Big Ten game. And um, the Longhorn Network is um, an ESPN property. So you kind of already are there, right? Yeah, I just, namesake, I think they'd probably try and name it something different. But, no, I agree. I think I think that they'll just end up owning the rights to all the conferences and whatnot or, or something somewhere along the lines. Just, I mean, the ACC is getting the shit end of the stick with the deal just because their, their TV contract is so much less than the other two. Um, I don't know. Is Clemson and and Florida State long and Miami, a few other teams that hold a little lesser, are they still long for the ACC? It's very interesting to see. Well, I think what you're seeing now is there's going to be two super conferences. So what does the future of the ACC look like? We haven't had any uh, exodus, mass exodus of any of those teams, right? Really since a couple of them went to the Big Ten. Um, So... At this rate, you have already the Big 12 losing Texas and Oklahoma. It's two biggest teams. They're already losing a school like A&M 12 years ago. Um, you've got the, obviously, Pac-12 losing UCLA and USC. I think you mentioned Oregon's probably the next out. There's yep. going to be other ones. Is the ACC going to lose a couple? Will the SEC take Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and maybe Virginia Tech or something, North Carolina. And the ACC just kind of take like, all right, we'll have Syracuse and NC State. And, this is screwing up basketball, yeah. too. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if I was Duke, I would just be like, let's just fucking be Notre Dame. Let's be independent. Uh, let's be – well, Notre Dame's not independent with basketball, but let's be the Notre Dame of basketball. Let's just be independent. I think it's, I think it's only going to matter for football, bro. I think basketball is going to have conferences on their own. So, like, you'll watch football season and you'll have no idea what conferences are. And then you'll think you have it right. And then basketball starts and then you'll have all the traditional it's, conferences. It's, I don't know, man. It's like for somebody trying to get into college football and I can still know all the players and understand it and be able to talk it with you. But for for me to, to get into it, to enjoy it and not just to do this pod and not sound like an idiot, it does make it really difficult to give a fuck. What I still hold true and i've turned i've turned the corner on this as you know 
because we've had our debates in the past. I think the best thing about the college football season is regardless of what the conferences look like, if you lose a game, you might be done. Yeah, There's I, only four teams, and that I love. Like I do love, I do, I love that too, teams. but – you know, and the other thing is, it's like, you know, me and you were talking about how to make the college football playoff better and whatnot, and we said expand teams and do automatic bids for the conference winners, but now it's like, you definitely can't do that. Because it's no. like, who gives a shit? Oregon's going to win the Pac-12 every year now. Well, and if the Big Ten is 22 teams deep and the SEC is 21 teams deep, how are you having a Well, now you got an SEC East, West, North, South, you know, Southeast, Southwest, and same thing with the Big Ten. It's just, it's crazy. It is, and that's why if you keep it at four, I genuinely believe that the games are still super interesting regardless of who's playing who. Keep it, yeah, agreed. At this point, you kind of got to keep it at four, and there can be no automatic bids. It's got to be the committee and they just have to decide who the best team is. Right. Like, if, if in a couple years Alabama is playing Oklahoma in week 10 of the, of the season, right, and Oklahoma is ranked fourth and Alabama is ranked second, we used to have to wait till either the Alabama-LSU game and LSU's good years or the Iron Bowl, right, for there to be a legitimate upset. But now it's like, fuck, like, they got to play Oklahoma now? And that changes things. Well, yeah, Texas is turning shit around. Yep. Yeah, there's optimism around Texas. I mean, just being down here right now, I mean, there's a lot of optimism with Quinn Ewers getting QB1 and the team, you know, Robinson being back and they're going to the SEC in a couple years having landed Arch. Like, there's there's a lot of optimism around Texas now, but they better get their shit together quick because – I mean, Alabama's coming down here in a couple weeks to, to play a game. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a really rude awakening, I think, for Texas to be like, okay, so we think we're okay. And uh, and that's what we're walking into in a few years. Yeah, we just got our shit pushed in by 30. Yep. So we'll see. But I understand I understand your your concern. I mean, you're not going to really know the severity. The favor, the best part about watching games, particularly once the season really hits its stride, right, is like these really good conference games where a, an inferior team could knock off a superior team simply due to the natural rivalry that they have and, uh, and not having that now. But I still like the fact that any great team – I mean, Ohio State lost their chance last year because they lost to Oregon in week two. Yep. No, that could still happen. It just – I don't know. I guess I guess I'm just gonna have to keep track of individual teams and not really give a shit about conferences, honestly. You've done a phenomenal job with college football. I expect even more out of you this year. You've seen my evolution with golf. I think yeah. it's only helped grow the pot. Well, we weren't gonna talk about it, but shout out to Willie Z for finally getting his first PGA Tour win and uh good job on Patrick Hanley winning the BMW. Fuck you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's episode 250 in the books. And we will be back with you next week. Uh, we're a couple weeks removed or heading into the uh, the preview. And Tom, hopefully that Yankees 5 and 2 West Coast trip is uh, is over by the time we talk next. 5 and 2 and then after that we said 6 and 4, right? Is that what we said? Yep, even if they lose, I'll say they lose 2 or 3 to Tampa, that so that would make it a 6 and 4 trip. We'll take it. All right, buddy. We'll take it.